Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy. Let's read um, our sort of our theme verse that we've been looking at over the past several weeks. Paul shared this with Timothy. And while you're looking in the New Testament to find that, because sometimes 1 Timothy can be a very difficult book to find, um, you guys have, I don't want to say you've been generous, but you've more than tripled what we thought that you would do for Blessed Fruitland Park. Okay? If, if you've brought something today, you've taken something off, and, and, and uh, please feel free to go ahead and, and put that in the offering box. But you guys um, have tripled what we thought. Now, I'll share this with you. I was in a meeting this past week with pastors, and I shared with them what we were looking at. Every one of them looked at me and said, well, how can we be a part? Word got out this past week, and I put something on Facebook last night generosity breeds generosity I got a phone call got a text and they said we want to help open the account for blessed Fruitland Park we want to give a $2,500 check to initiate that generosity breeds generosity thank you guys for your faithfulness you've blown us away we didn't expect that uh, but you've been so, so generous. Um, but let's take a turn today away from the financial resources because sometimes it's easy to give financial resources. We're going to take a big swing today in Frank's life, as you're going to see in just a couple of minutes. Before we do that, let's go back and read this theme passage of Scripture. And uh, Gehrig has his Bible out, so he's going to read to us, right? You're going to stand up and read? Come here, man. Come here, buddy. Come here. Come, I'll stand here with you. I'm not going to leave you all alone. Listen, you're a man of much integrity. This is one of the teenagers. He's looking at me like he's embarrassed, like Pastor Sidney, I'm going to kill you. <clears throat> Son, listen, I'll give you some tips a little bit later, okay? You, well, come, will you at least come stand with me while I read? You won't even do that? You go to, you go to school dances, don't you? You don't do that? <laughs> All right, Gary, you can, don't flatten my tires, whatever you do. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19, and this is what Paul, Paul told Timothy, and today I'm privileged to be able to share this with you. Teach those who are rich, who is rich, those of us that have more than what we need in this world, not to be proud. Do we have any proud people in this, in this room today? Confidence in the flesh instead of confidence in the Father. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust, their confidence should be in God, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready Always being ready on the lookout, okay, on the lookout to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And in his prayer, 
He tells us that eternal life, true life, comes from knowing the Father. When you know the Father, you know change. Are you with me? When you know the Father, you know change. Change happens in your life. No Father, no change. Church, no change. Jesus, change. Now, we've been talking and walking through this series called Living Generously. And, and in this series, in Living Generously, we've not been talking so much about the duty or the responsibilities that we have as believers or followers of Christ. But what we've been talking about, Dina, is the heart. Because, see, you can give or you can serve and your heart not be right. See, Christianity or, or our lives as believers is not, shouldn't be about what I have to, um, but what I want to. Shouldn't be about what I, I've got to, but it should be about the get to. Now, we've been watching this video of this family's life over the past few weeks, and if you remember last week, Frank, sort of one of the key, key characters in this, in this drama, had a dream. And in that dream, he was convicted about his lack of generosity. And so last week, we saw him wake up from the dream convicted about his resources and how he invested and how he, how he utilized his resources. And so today, this is where we pick it up, as Frank now tries to say, okay, what am I going to do? So watch this little video clip. Have a good run? <sighs> you know, no broken records. But no broken bones. <laughs> hey, Ray, I've been wanting to talk to you. you. You've been doing a good job out here, and well, I want to give you a bonus. Thank you, Miss Donald. That's very generous of you. Speaking of that, does your family that your church was helping out still need anything? I've been feeling sort of convicted lately about helping people out. You know, it's very thoughtful, sir, but uh, they're pretty well set. But if you're looking for a place to be generous, um, I'm going to an event tonight that really could use a helping hand. Sure, maybe I can bring one of the kids along. Is it a benefit or something? Uh, they'll definitely be serving dinner. Mr. Donovan. Stay close to me. Hey, Ray. I'm glad you guys could make it. I'd like to help out. Do you have a pen? The pen may be mightier than the sword, but an army marches on his stomach. Uh, they could use your help with mashed potatoes. I don't know. Hey, uh, honey. I need someone to collect plates. Any takers? I will. No, Megan. Going all right over here? Um, yeah. 
place has seen better days, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. We've applied for some grants. This is a long shot, but we have hope. God's in control. Let me get a towel for you. Do I know you? Yeah, man. From the Yacht Club. Is everything okay? Yeah, honey. Sorry about that again. She gets her clumsiness from me. Mind if I sit? Now, I'm sorry, you, you look really familiar. You weren't ever a lawyer, were you? You know, the Yacht Club thing was a joke, right? Sorry, man. No. A little bit of everything. Construction, mostly. This place could sure use your help, huh? Did I say something to offend you? Just hard having OTCers come down here trying to tell us how to do things. OTCers? Outside the city. Oh. There's actually a lot of us around here who've done some construction work. It's just the tools, the permits, and the materials, and all that that we ain't got. Right. I'm sorry. That's that's my ignorance. Hey man, sorry about the crack about the Yacht Club. I actually do belong to the Yacht Club. Yeah. Wednesday and Friday. It was a hard season. No home, no money. How'd you get out? God found me a job. Doing gardening work for a nice family on the other side of town. <laughs> I gotta tell you, Ray, when I first got here, all I wanted to do was take that checkbook out, write a check, and get out. But I'm glad you gave me that spoon. Ladle. 
A spoon is for feeding yourself. A ladle is for serving others. Ladle, right. Well, I'm excited that you invited me. Sounds like you got a taste tonight, Mr. Donovan. A taste? A taste of true life. First Timothy 6. Command those who are rich in this present world. No offense, Mr. Donovan, but that's you. Command them not to put their hope in wealth, but in God who gives us everything. Do good, be rich in good deeds. Be generous, willing to share, so that they will take hold of a life that is truly life. You said that you've been convicted recently about being more generous. Well, there's a lot more to that than writing checks. It's obvious how folk around here need help from folks like you. But maybe sometimes you'll find that you need them too. Ray, a few more just came in. Okay then. Wait. <laughs> Let me get my ladle. <laughs> The story as it progresses. Frank just wanted to write a check, didn't he? Yet if it would have just been a check, he'd have missed out on the blessing. But what was going to be asked of him is something that took him way outside the comfort zone. Um, is there anything wrong with the check? No. But sometimes when we give the check, it's, 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 it might be um, a substitute for the giving of time. And it may be in the giving of time that's the interaction is needed the most. If you, if you go all the way back to the first week, you remember there was a conversation that took place between Ray, the gardener, the guy, the African-American that was in, the, in, the, in, the, in our picture, um, the heavier set guy, and, and Evan, the little boy. And there was a conversation about the, the good sheep and the and the stinky sheep, the giving God the best. Um, in the midst of that, it, our best may not be writing an, ec an extra check, but it may be the sacrifice of time or talents. See, sometimes it's easy to write an extra check. Not so easy to maybe to, to give of your time or to serve. Frank had plenty of treasures, and he could share them freely. But really what Frank needed was to be able to serve and to give his, to give his time. And I think if we're honest, if we go back and remember, I don't think serving in the soup kitchen was on the list of priorities for his day. I mean, don't you think that he just wanted to walk in to write that check and to turn around and leave? But that wasn't really what, was, what happened. His heart, his heart was captured. How many of us serve out of a heart of reluctance instead of a heart of generosity? See, that, might, that could have been you. 
How many of us ever been in a place where you've been asked to serve and you said yes, but it wasn't with a willing heart? Ever done that before? See, see, I know you because you're just like me. Somebody's asked you to do something, there's been a phone call, there's been an email, and probably you didn't even answer that phone, or you might not even have answered that email because you were afraid of what it might cost you. <laughs> Tell me, Larry, you've got a time where you've served re reluctantly? Mm -hmm. Was it a joyful time serving reluctantly, or was it a painful time? painful time yeah what's another thing that somebody else Conrad I didn't go because you went because <laughs> I knew you'd be out of your comfort zone so I didn't go He's right over there, Steve Whitaker. Got out of your comfort zone. You got out of your comfort zone. Tom? Forty years ago? To go to a retreat in, in New York. God told you, Tom, you're willing to write a check, but you won't give me your time. You know, it's something when we get outside of the comfort zone. Um, but so many times it's easy for those of us that are in leadership positions to guilt people into serving in areas that probably they have no business serving. See, when the Lord captures your heart, there's something about that that takes place. And that's what happened to you, Tom. 
Now, for a pastor to sit down, I've told you that, but you were listening. Remember we talked last week about listening for God's voice and obeying him because it makes the biggest difference of all. This is what Paul said as he wrote to the Corinthian believers in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. He said, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Man, aren't you excited and very grateful that our Lord didn't, that Jesus Christ didn't have a reluctant heart? That he went to the cross willingly. When you think about that word, by his poverty, what do you, what do you think's being said there? Here it was, for our sakes he became poor so that by his poverty we could become rich. What do you think that phrase, by his poverty, means? Okay, he became poor. By his poverty, we became rich. Explain that to me. He gave it all? Somebody else. By his poverty, Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. See, the unique thing is that in this, we are to have the same attitude as Christ himself, aren't we? Let me read the passage in Philippians. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him a name above all names. Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. He stepped down out of the throne, off the throne, to become a servant. We see that when Jesus was assembled with the disciples in the upper room. If you remember what took place there, it was Jesus that at the right moment, what he did is he took and he kneeled down and he washed the disciples' feet. I mean, here it is. It's, it's John. It wasn't just John the Beloved. See, it'd be easy for me to wash the, the feet of Conrad. But what about if Conrad had hurt me? Here it was, he, he washed Peter's feet who had denied him, and he also washed the feet of Judas, the one that would betray him. Jesus did that, and he said, follow my example. And he went on to say a little bit later in that passage, if you go back and you read it, he said, if you'll follow my example, you'll be blessed. You will be blessed. Jesus did it, why? Out of a sense of duty or responsibility? No. He did it because he loved us. See, when you serve, do you serve out of a sense of duty, out of a sense of responsibility, or do you serve out of a, a sense of love? Do you, do you serve out of your poverty so that others might become rich? When Jesus responded to the question, what was the greatest commandment, if you remember how he responded, he said to love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength, the totality of who you are. And you know what? When you love God, it's a whole lot easier for you to love and serve people. Not just people that are like you, but people that are a lot different from you. And when we become poor, 
as Jesus did and we serve others, it impacts the lives of those around us. Um, this is what it says in reference to imitating Christ in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look only to your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. See, if you want to align yourself with the heart of God, if we want to be a Christ follower, um, you've got to do what Jesus said to do. And Jesus said, if you want to be a my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. It's not just about giving some money every once in a while. It's about your tithe as well as your time. Um, Ray understood that. Did you see what happened? There was, a, there was an exchange of resources up front. He said, Frank said, I want to bless you, Ray. And he gave him a, a $100 bill. Did you see that? Where did that $100 bill end up? Ended up in the collection plate there for the soup kitchen. That had a tremendous impact on Frank's life. Um, do you think that Frank gave or that, that Ray gave out of guilt? No. He gave out of love. His heart. There was something that was different. He, the result of, of, of Ray's giving also was the fact that he became blessed. He was blessed. So where's the breakthrough? So how do you become poor? How, how, do, how do we become poor? We know how Jesus became poor, but how do we become poor? How do we position ourselves to be available to the needs of people around us and to listen for God's voice? I mean, how do we respond to the multiple opportunities that we face daily? I mean, I can imagine the numbers of times that Gail is a teacher sees opportunities all around. And so how do you know when to respond and when not to respond? How do you know when, when, to, to, when to, to put the feet to action and the time to back up and stand and watch God do something? How do you know? Where does that breakthrough come from? There's a story in the Scripture in the book of Luke about Jesus in a time in his life when he's surrounded by a crowd of people. He just has been approached by Jairus. His daughter is sick. And Jerry said, listen, you've got to come to my house. My daughter's going to die. And there's a crowd of people, and they're pushing in. And as they're on the way, this is the story that we find there in Luke chapter 8, verse 42. It says, as Jesus went with them, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up from behind Jesus, he touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, the, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me. I mean, here he is in the middle of a crowd, surrounded by all these people with all these distractions, and yet Jesus was sensitive enough to know that somebody had touched him. There was somebody that needed help, and Jesus was, was so in focus on that one person, not everybody else, but that one person, you guys remember the dream last week about Frank and the African-American here that's in the soup kitchen? Um, all of a sudden here, it, it wasn't just the poor anymore because all of a sudden the poor had a name and the poor had a story. If you would have been with us yesterday serving meals, you would learn that the ones that we served yesterday have a name. They have a face. 
And they have stories that go far beyond the dollar bills that serve, that we use to feed those that are there. And it was neat to stand outside and watch that 135 to 150 families that came through to get a Thanksgiving meal for our people to surround them and to get to know their names. Um, if you were here yesterday and you served, was there somebody's name that you got a chance to know yesterday? Anybody that you, off the top of your head? Any, anybody remember a name of somebody that you met? Who? Melissa? Jessica? Gloria? Numerous amounts of people. Taja. I met Taja, and she's, I'll always remember her name because she said, my name sounds like Taj Mahal. <laughs> Tears just flowed down her face as she told me her story yesterday of how her husband had taken her kids from her. And he told her this past week, you won't see them. Now I sit and talk with her. I had an opportunity to pray with her in May. And see, May had brought Taja. We served May many, many times at, the, at Beyond the Walls. And May said, Pastor, I didn't come to get food for myself today. But I brought Taja because I knew she was in need. This is the funniest thing because people in need seem to be sometimes the most generous of people. Let's be honest. How many of us don't really want to know the name? How many of us don't really want to know the story? Because you don't want the responsibility. See, because we need to get up close and personal with somebody. Sometimes we don't want to do that. And the reason that we don't want to do that is because if we do that, it might cost us something. How many of you guys have been driving down the road and you come to a stop sign and there's the person right outside your window holding a sign? We'll work for food. How many of you, how many of you have positioned yourself now what you're doing is you're driving up to certain places. You look to see if there's a person standing on the side of the road because if they are, you're going to either get on the phone, you're going to turn up the radio, you're going to act like you don't see them, or you're going to either get in the other aisle. You ever done that before? Don't act crazy with me because I know some of you have done that. See, I've done that before. I've done that before. Didn't want to bother with it. I was too busy. But then there's been those other times that I've had an opportunity to go get something and bring it back to them. Not just to give them some money, that would be an easy thing to do, but to take the extra time to go get them something to eat, to sit down with them, and to talk, and to know their story. We become poor in spirit when we're, beginning to, when we're willing to humble ourselves and clean off the shoes of the other people, just like Frank did. See, Frank could have paid for somebody else to clean off those shoes, couldn't he? But there was something that took place when he knelt down and he cleaned the feet of that gentleman that was there. Frank had to make a choice. And I think this is probably a fair assumption for all of us. The older we get, the farther we move up the ladder, the, re the easier it is for us to ignore stepping down. And serving the more difficult it becomes remember they were standing there and the opportunity to serve came who was the first one to move the little girl no hindrances at all I'll go I'll do it I wonder what was going on in Frank's mind 
She dove right in. But Frank, the older, the wiser one, he didn't see the people. He didn't see the name. He just saw the responsibility. And I bet in his mind he was thinking, what's it going to cost me? It's so easy to get distracted. I love the statement that was made in reference to the spoon and the ladle. Did you get it? A spoon is used for feeding ourselves, where a ladle is used for feeding others. How many of us have the spoon mentality, the consumer mentality? As a Christian, it's all about me. What's in it for me? It's not how do I use the gifts and the talents that I have to serve others, but what's in it for me? But in Mark 10, 45, we saw this. The Son of Man did not come to, to, uh, to be served, but he came to be a servant, to give his, his life as a ransom for many. So here's the question. Where are you at on that journey? Are you holding on? Maybe you're giving God marching orders instead of listening for his marching orders. Um, and I think the other thing that's really hard is that how many times do we spend looking at other people and seeing what they're doing and taking our cues from others instead of listening for God's voice? You will wear yourself out looking at other people. Listening for God's voice is a whole lot easier. Listen to this little piece as we tie together everything as we begin to close out this morning. When I was homeless, I could always tell the difference between someone who just wanted to make me go away and make their guilty conscience go away and the people who were willing to slow down, look me in the eye, and serve a simple man on the streets. The thing that hurt the most was not when people couldn't help. What hurt the most was when I became invisible, another piece of garbage you walked past on your way to work. When someone actually stopped to talk to me, to get to know me, or even to serve me, it gave me hope. It's not easy to become poor. Well, we can all get rid of our money, I suppose. We can all empty our wallets, but to become poor, by emptying our pride and serving one another? Well, that's a bit harder. We're afraid, we're proud. We think we're better. And helping people down there means that we'd have to lower ourselves. Not to stoop down, but to get down, to get low. To become like them, poor. To stand deep down in the ditch and become like the least of these. But isn't that exactly what Jesus did? In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul says of Jesus, for your sake, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. We're not called to save the poor from a comfortable distance. We're called to become poor and serve, to go down into the trenches among the downtrodden, the downcast, the down on their luck, the down and out, and then to uphold, upraise, and uplift them as worthy of love and care. Jesus became poor to make our lives richer. Lord knows we need people with checkbooks, but even the people with the checkbooks need to pick up the ladle. Are you becoming poor to help someone else? Or are you trying to help them from on high? 
Are you getting down low to serve those in need? Remember, you are not really serving until you pick up the ladle. You know, it's really easy for, for us having beyond the walls or some of the ministries that happen for, for those to be substitutes for our personal, our personal involvement in ministry. And I, and I guess the challenge for us today is, is how is God calling you to become poor? How is he, how is he calling you to, to not be proud, but to be generous? To not be proud, but to be giving of yourself? To just as Jesus poured himself out, that you would pour yourself out. See, that's, that's the Christian life. It's not about what we're doing in here this morning. But it's what happens when we walk outside these walls or these doors in the lives of people that we touch. Beyond the walls can become a substitute. It can become a token. The question I have for you today is how is God calling you personally to roll up your sleeves and pick up the label? I mean, for you to pick up that ladle, it means that I'm accepting the responsibility. I want to serve others. I just don't want to be faithful and generous in my, in my treasure, in my tithe, but I also want to be generous and, and I want to be faithful in serving others. How will we respond to that? There's a card and in the simplicity of who we are, in the back of your pew, I want you just to leave it there. But during this song that Brian and this worship team is going to sing, if there is something that you feel, a prompting of the Holy Spirit to go, I need to roll up my sleeves, and I need to get out of my comfort zone, and I need to be faithful to this one thing. I think that maybe they've even put some some things on a slide, and I don't know if we'll use it, but I mean, maybe God's calling you to use your talents of media, or maybe even singing, or maybe serving. We were having a, a con conversation the other day about our children's environments and, and the numbers of, of, of spots that are available to serve children. That's just not a place that we want to guilt you into, but let me tell you what, if we want to attract young families and if we want to minister to young families, I want the best people serving with our children. And since day one, our children have loved to come to Heritage because it's not just a place, it's not just a place that people go fill a gap, but it's, it's a place that people serve that love children. It might be in, a, in an area of, of greeting people or, or doing something else. I really don't know. It may be something serving the family. It may be something serving outside the family. You may say, man, I, I need to get up and I need to go like Conrad to Nicaragua. I need to get out of my comfort zone. It may be I need to contact Hannah and I, and I, I want to serve it beyond the walls or I want to serve here within my community. Just under the direction of the Holy Spirit, if that's you and you sense the Lord speaking to you, just write your name on that card and, and write your number and, and email, an email address, uh, address, one way that we can communicate with you. And over the next couple of weeks, with it being Thanksgiving, we'll contact you to say, how can we help you? You may be doing, uh, maybe something else comes to your mind. You say, I, this is what I feel like the Lord wants me to do. Write that down on that card. 
And then when you get ready to leave, just deposit it in the offering, in the offering boxes that are at the doors. But the question is, where is God calling us specifically to roll up our sleeves, to pick up the ladle, and to not just be served, but to be servants? Listen to this song, and then we'll close out right after this.